Hey, it's Nate DeMeo. And uh, while you wait for June 21st and the new first season of The Memory Palace, I've got another remixed hi-fi version of a story from the podcast Lo-Fi Past. But first, a quick note about the upcoming season. The Memory Palace is going to be funded in part, um, essentially for the first time, through advertising. And I say that for two reasons. Um, first, there is still an opportunity out there for the right ad partner if you want to sponsor this season of the podcast. Do get in touch if that applies to you. Second, I want to assure folks that this isn't going to impact the content of the show itself. It's not going to influence what stories I tell or how I tell them. Full stop. That's just the deal. Any advertising there is will be up top. Um, will come at the beginning of the story. Truth is, I can't stick what they call a lucrative mid-roll ad into the middle of that story because that's not the way my show works. Um, and I've also kind of decided that an ad at the end just doesn't feel right for me. You know, I want the story to land. I think that the sudden arrival of an ad at the end will kind of yank you out of whatever moment you've just had. So for what it's worth, that's the update. I just wanted to keep you guys informed. Uh, for a long time, if someone asked me for a representative episode from the Memory Palace, I'd send them this one. Here's episode 13. High above Lake Michigan. This is the Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. The world loved a World's Fair. And the Exposition Universelle in Paris in 1889 just killed. The exhibits in the grounds were unparalleled and impeccable. And at the center of it all was this audacious steel structure that managed to be imposing and elegant and the tallest thing on earth, and unmistakably French all at once. And at the center of it all was this audacious steel structure that managed to be imposing and elegant and the tallest thing on earth, and unmistakably French all at once. Paris had the Eiffel Tower, and the men planning the next fair, the Columbian Exposition in Chicago, just a couple of years away, needed something that good, something Eiffel Tower good, the proposals ran from the ridiculous, like a structure that would soar more than a thousand feet above the land of Lincoln made entirely out of stacked logs and topped with a replica of Abe's boyhood home, to the extra ridiculous, something so tall that visitors would take an elevator to the top of a slide that they'd ride down until it dropped them off in New York or San Francisco. The fair's organizers were panicking. They demanded that America's designers and engineers step up and a man named George Ferris stepped forward. When his Ferris wheel was completed that summer, it rose 264 feet above the ground, which was a lot shorter than the Eiffel Tower. But whatever, that thing didn't even move. The idea that something so massive, but that looks so fragile, like a bicycle wheel whose spokes look too thin to keep a bike up, was thrilling and pretty terrifying. Despite what the engineers said, despite the math and laws of physics, despite the many assurances of the fair's organizers, there were people who were sure that this ludicrous machine was going to be a disaster, that people were going to die. Not only was there no way that that flimsy thing could stand up to a prairie wind or a gale off the lake, even if it did, the prospect of tumbling through the air in a cage 20 stories above Chicago was full-on craziness. Who in their right mind was going to want to ride that thing? Hundreds of thousands of people did. Despite the fact that during its first test run, hundreds of bolts and loose parts rained down on spectators below. Despite real stories of panicked riders trying to escape through the windows when they realized exactly how high 200 feet was. 
Despite apocryphal stories of suicides and severed limbs, this Ferris wheel, this thing that is basically a kiddie ride today, was a bigger thrill ride than any quintuple loop open car reverse twist rocket coaster they might have at Six Flags. The papers, even some in France, said it was the marvel of the age, better than the Eiffel Tower. That almost mundane sensation we have now of looking down from above, of moving through space, up and out and down and back around. No one had ever felt those things before. And of course now we can't really feel them again. We've gone around too many times. We've looped too many loops. But back in 1893, you could pay your 50 cents and climb into a car right after sunset during the golden hour and experience something entirely new. You could rise up above the World's Fair, where down below Americans were eating hamburgers for the first time, where Buffalo Bill and Frederick Douglass and Mark Twain were sightseeing, where entire villages from Egypt and Algeria had been brought and reconstructed, where people heard ragtime for the first time, sahula dancers and belly dancers, and you could come back to Earth and walk out and be among the first people in human history to walk around at night with lights on. But fairs end. They shut down. They pack up and leave. And the Ferris wheel did too. They moved it up to a different park in the north side of the city. And after a while, the novelty was gone. And the Ferris wheel became just a Ferris wheel. And they tore it down. A salvage company bought it for eight grand, blew it up with dynamite, and sold the pieces for scrap. Mm -hmm.